This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Well, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Very well, good, brilliant. This morning I'm really excited to share with you. And I'm really excited about what God wants to do in us and through us this morning. Anybody else? Brilliant. This morning we are starting, uh, we're continuing our new teaching series. And this series is called Reading Mark, Meeting Jesus. And I'm so excited about this series. And over the last few weeks, as a life group, we've been reading Mark together. And throughout these next few weeks, we're going to be studying the gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking through the eyes of Mark at the person of Jesus, at the things that he did and the things that he said and the person that he was and the person that he is. And um, I think that's so exciting when we get to do that as a community, when we get to come together and, and discover that together. And I would encourage you, life groups, make the most of that. If you're not in a life group, get in a life group so you can read Mark and study Mark together. And um, we've got some, a really helpful resource uh, for you to help this on resources. And it's, it's a commentary on the book of Mark. And um, it's a series which is called For Everyone. As in, this isn't really, really... Uh, difficult or complicated to understand. And it's by a guy called Tom Wright. And it's called, so this is Mark for everyone. I would highly, highly recommend it. We've got a few copies on resources today and they're just nine pounds. And I've been finding it really helpful over the last few weeks as I've been studying Mark, reading Mark. And I do plan to use it to waft myself if I need to this morning. So that it's, it's two birds with one stone. I'd really, really recommend this to you to help you really get to grips with this book of Mark as we read Mark to meet Jesus. And I don't know about you, but when I heard the title of this series, something stirred in me. Something kind of awakened in me. An awakening and a longing to know Jesus more. And I don't know who you are today or what your story is. For me, I met Jesus as a little girl. And I've known Jesus for a lot of years in one ways, but as I, as I look at this title, there's a longing that's awakened in me to know him more to know him closer, to hear his voice and to recognize that voice more and more. And it's my prayer for you and for me that as we read Mark, we might know him more, not just know more about him, but experience the reality and the truth of who he is, the one who is alive and at work today in our lives, who wants to speak to us, who wants to lead us and who wants to guide us. So I am so excited about this series. And in this series, we are learning particularly from the words that were spoken about Jesus. We're learning particularly about what was it that the people who were able to walk the same places where Jesus walked and to hear him speak in the flesh, what is it that they saw? What is it that they noticed? And so this morning we're um, in Mark chapter 1. And um, if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn with me to here as we read. It's going to be on the screen and I'm going to read it out. But I would encourage you to turn there because when I'm listen- for me, when I'm listening to someone teaching or preaching, I find it really helpful to kind of get my Bible open and get my Bible open and have a look at where is this? Where does this fit in? It helps me just become more familiar with the Word of God. So we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through to 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. 
Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. The people who were there that day, their comment on the situation is what is this? What is this? A new teaching and with authority. And it says that the people were amazed, that the people were amazed when they saw Jesus and when they heard him speak. I don't know what the Aramaic for wow is, but I reckon there were some wows in Aramaic that day. And I don't know about you and your story and your relationship with Jesus and and where that's up to, but I wonder if, when was the last time you had a wow moment? When was the last time you were amazed at who Jesus is? I've been asking myself that question, and even this morning as we're singing songs about the goodness of God and the work that he's done in our lives, I found myself saying, wow, wow, Calvary covers it all. It is finished. Wow. I am a child of God, and there's a place for me. Wow. And I just, I know for me in my own walk with Jesus, there have been times where I've lost a bit of my wow, where I've lost a bit of that. And if you're here this morning and and that's something that feels like it's a reality for you at this point, that, that sense of amazement and wonder, maybe it's not there like it once was. The wonderful news is that the invitation that is open to you is to again this morning be amazed at the person and the work of Jesus, to stand and say, wow. And that's the, the heart of this series as we read Mark and meet Jesus. But what the people said that day, what amazed them was, what is this? It's a new teaching and with authority. And so this morning, I want to consider what, what was unusual about the authority of Jesus? What struck them? What is important for us to understand about the authority with which Jesus operated? Because I believe that's the authority that we as the people of God, as those who are the hands and the feet of Jesus on the earth today, are called and commissioned to operate with in our world and in our communities. So what can we understand about the authority of Jesus? Well, firstly, Jesus' authority came from his connection to the Father. Jesus' authority came from his connection with the Father. In verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. There was something different. There was something different about the way that Jesus spoke. And oftentimes, the teachers of the law would say things like, as Moses said, or as Rabbi so-and-so said. When we see Jesus teaching, what Jesus does is he says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. You've heard this said, but today I say unto you. And so what Jesus did was not just recall something from long ago, not simply recall the teaching of Moses. He did that, but he didn't end there. He didn't just recall Moses. He didn't just repeat another rabbi, what someone else had said, but he spoke with a fresh revelation. 
He spoke with a fresh revelation that came from his connection with the Father. He spoke into situations with that wisdom that comes from God, with that fresh revelation that came from his connection with the Father. Here are some of the things Jesus said himself that help us understand that oneness, that unity, that connection with the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you see the connection? Do you see the closeness? He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because what the Father does, the Son does. Jesus illustrates for us this incredible connection with the Father, this incredible closeness and this incredible intimacy with the Father. We see oftentimes in the Gospels that Jesus gets up early and withdraws to a place on his own so that he can connect with the Father, so that he can pray, so that he can have conversation and communion, so that he can hear the voice of the Father. And Jesus' authority, the authority that amazes the people that day, comes from his connection with the Father. When I come to study a passage of the Bible, I I read it a few times, and then I write down a ton of questions. I ask myself, what what questions does this passage present? Because the Bible does present us with questions, and questions are brilliant because they lead us to learning, don't they? We ask a question, and we're getting a bit closer to finding an answer. And so I would encourage you, as you study the Bible, the things that you think, what? I don't get that. Why has that happened? Write those down and search for the answers to those questions. One of the questions I asked myself when I was reading this passage is, how come Jesus gets up to teach? Like, how come that is? Like, was that, was that normal? Was that accepted? Was he allowed? Was he not allowed? Was it uh, countercultural? Like, how did that work? Who got to teach? It's a question I'd never thought of, an answer I'd never tried to discover before. And this is what I found out. One writer says, the one who delivered the short sermon, so Jesus here in the synagogue gets up to teach, could be any male adult member of the community. All were recognized as being able to share the meaning of God's word as God had taught them in their daily walk with him. So any adult male member of the community was able to teach because they were seen as being qualified to do that because of a daily walk with God himself. And when Jesus gets up to teach, the people are amazed with the revelation that he brings, with the authority with which he speaks, and that is evident of his daily walk with the Father, of that relationship and communion and intimacy. And I wonder for you and I this morning, what are the situations that we face that need the wisdom and the revelation from God? What are the situations that you're facing right now in your, perhaps in your home life, in your relationships, in your workplace, and it feels perhaps like you've come up against a brick wall and I've no idea what to do. No idea, I have no idea what is the answer. We're stuck. We're struggling. We have a problem here. I wonder what is that situation where you need the wisdom and the revelation that comes from God. I want to encourage you that as you draw close to the Father, that as you draw close to the Father, you position yourself to hear his voice for the situations you face and to, to hear his heart, to see his heart and to see his future. I wonder what situations as a, as a body we're facing that this week are going to be different as we position ourselves to hear his wisdom and his fresh revelation. Not to repeat a mistake from the past, not just to do something that worked in the past, but to get that fresh revelation that comes from God. 
And I don't know what your story is here today and um, what your journey with Jesus is like, but I know for many of us, sometimes we meet the church before we meet Jesus. That was my experience, a bit like Ben. I went to church from minus nine months old, and then as as a young child, I, I met Jesus as my parents introduced me to him, but I was in church before I met Jesus. And I think that can often be the case for a lot of us, that we meet the church before we meet Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. And you may be here today because someone invited you to come, and you're kind of like, I'm just going to give it a try. Just going to check it out. Just going to see what this is about. Well, my heart is that you would feel really welcome this morning, that you would have an incredible experience, and that through meeting us, the church, you would meet Jesus. And um, I know there are some people who they meet Jesus, and then they meet the church. And there's no set way or set prescribed way, but I do think we have to be careful about which one becomes the foundation for the other one. Because I think what can happen sometimes is that we can make the church, our relationship with the church, the foundation for our relationship with Jesus. Now, these are two things that come hand in hand. We can't separate them off, choose one and not the other. But sometimes I think the danger is we can build our relationship with Jesus on our relationship with the church. But what happens then when church inevitably disappoints us? When people inevitably hurt us. And if you're new and you've not been disappointed, it will come because we are human and each of us makes mistakes. And that is why grace and reconciliation and forgiveness is such a powerful thing. Because the problem is, is if the church is our foundation for our relationship with Jesus, then when things start to come apart with the church, when, when we start to feel offended, when someone hurts us, when things get difficult, when things get strained relationally, we can withdraw from that and then the relationship with Jesus has nothing to stand on. But when we make Jesus the foundation and when our relationship with church is founded on our relationship with Jesus, then when inevitably someone offends us, it's that closeness and that connection with the Father, that relationship with Jesus, which powers us and propels us to be able to approach those situations with grace and with forgiveness and with love and with reconciliation and have those difficult conversations rather than bearing a grudge and just pretending that never happened. Now, as I've been reflecting on this, it's it's my heart for me and for you that our relationship with the church would be founded on our relationship with Jesus. Because I think when that happens, we're a more effective church. We're a more Jesus-shaped church, aren't we? And if you're here today and you've only just met the church, then there is a treat in store for you because the invitation to meet Jesus is always open. Uh, And we want you to feel welcome and to experience him in this place. But we see that the authority that Jesus has comes from his connection to the Father. And that Jesus's authority reveals his identity. Jesus's authority reveals his identity. Just take the lid off before I try and drink a drink. I'll not put it back on either. Anyone need a waft break? I feel like I do. I feel like if I can get to the end of it without someone feeling they need to give me a tissue, that means there's no visible sweat on my face. I feel like that is success today. Um, But thank you for those of you kind-hearted people who would think about giving me a tissue. But Jesus' authority reveals his divinity. 
You see, Mark is concerned with Jesus' identity. Mark is concerned that us, the reader, would understand the identity of Jesus. And he lays this out right at the start. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, he says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He sets out right from the start, I'm telling you about this Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And then he takes us on this literary journey through the eyes of those who were there in those days to understand what it means that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, to understand his true identity. Because for those who saw Jesus in the flesh, walking the earth, there were varying beliefs about who the Messiah would be. This long-awaited Messiah that the Jewish people had been looking forward to, there were varying beliefs about who this Messiah would be. Many believed that he would come and overthrow the enemies of God, the Roman Empire. Lots believed that he would do that through military force. They believed that he would be sent by God, but lots believed that he would be a human figure, that he would be a human figure sent by God. Not necessarily widely understood that this Messiah would in fact be God himself. And so in verse 23, we have something fascinating where for the first time, for Mark having laid it out clear that I'm writing to tell you about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. For many, they could say, brilliant. So the, the rescuer who's coming, who's been sent by God, but is a human figure, not necessarily God himself. In verse 23, things begin to change. We begin to see truly who this Jesus is. It says, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. So Jesus is confronted by the powers of darkness. The powers that seem to recognize something of who he is. And in that, we begin to see his true identity as he silences and forces to submit the powers of darkness. And we begin to see that this Messiah is not just a political leader, but that this Messiah is the one who has authority over all things. The one who spoke to evil and silenced the powers of darkness. Jesus himself, later in the the Gospels, it's recorded in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We begin to see as he speaks to evil itself, as he silences the power of darkness, we begin to see that this is not just a political leader who's come to overthrow the enemies, but this is God himself, the one who speaks and darkness trembles, the one who has authority over everything, the one who has authority over darkness over the powers of evil, the powers of evil that at times it can feel like grip humanity. Jesus is the one who has all authority over that. He's the one who has authority over addiction and over sickness and over anxiety and over anger and over depression. He's the one that is able to proclaim freedom over captivity, those things that feel like they bind us and they hold us. And that is what we begin to see as we, as we see Mark and as the unfolding journey. Because Mark seems concerned about the healings and those people being set free from the grip of darkness. 
He's, throughout his gospel, we see this. We see that this is not just a political leader come to rescue the people, but this is the one who has come, who is God himself, who has come to set people free from all things that hold them and bind them and seek to limit them and those chains that at time can feel like they constrict us. But this is Jesus, the one who has all authority, authority over sickness. And these miracles that Mark begins to record are, they're like an announcement. They're like an announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand, that there is a new king in town, and that the time is up for the powers of darkness and the powers of evil. And it began in the synagogue that day, and it finished on the hill of Calvary three years later. And one day it will be completed in full. And that's the day we look forward to with full assurance. But Jesus' authority began to reveal that this Messiah is not a human figure sent by God, but it is God himself. The one who, whom has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Because Jesus' authority was and is absolute. Jesus' authority was and is absolute, and yet it is expressed beautifully in service and in sacrifice. I don't know about you, but when we talk about things like absolute authority, it can make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because we understand, don't we, from history and even the world today, that in the hands of humanity, absolute authority can be abused. And that can lead to the abuse of people and the abuse of creation. And that's why within our society, we set things up to keep a check on authority, don't we? So within a school, for example, you have a board of governors who are there to hold the senior leadership to account, to uh, be a check on that authority. I've been the governor for about five years, and um, for the last three years of that, I understood my role is to be a check, to, in part, hold the leadership to account. I spent my first two years trying to understand the language of teachers, and then once I got that under my belt, I've been, always been slow at learning languages, then I was able to understand my role. But a, a charity has a board of trustees. They hold the leadership to account so that this, there's not an absolute authority that can be abused. The government has the opposition, you know, the people that sit on the bench, and they do it by just heckling and being incredibly rude while the person's talking on the other side. Because we understand that in the hands of humanity, Absolute power can corrupt absolutely, as someone once said. But not in the hands of the God-man Christ Jesus. Not in the perfect hands of the God-man Christ Jesus, who revealed his authority, who expressed his authority in service and in sacrifice. And um, I wonder if the band could come and help us as we draw to a close. And I want to read to you, a story, I, it's not just a wafter, I'm going to use it this morning, and um, a really helpful story that I think illustrates this for us. Jesus' authority was and is absolute, and yet is expressed in service and sacrifice. Not long ago, there was a great disaster at sea. A tourist boat loaded with cars and holidaymakers had failed to shut its doors properly. The water began to pour in. The boat began to sink and panic set in. People were screaming as the happy, relaxed atmosphere of the ship turned.
turned in minutes into something worse than a horror movie. All at once, one man, not a member of the crew, took charge. In a clear voice, he gave orders, telling people what to do. Relief mixed with the panic as people realized someone at least was in charge. And many managed to reach lifeboats they would otherwise have missed in the dark and the rush. The man himself made his way down to the people trapped in the hold. There he formed a human bridge, holding on with one hand to a ladder and with the other to part of the ship that was nearly submerged. He enabled still more to cross safely. When the nightmare was over, the man himself was found to have drowned. He had literally given his life in using the authority he had assumed, the authority by which many had been saved. Jesus, the one who said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and yet did not abuse that authority, as often happens in the hands of humanity, but the one who expressed it in sacrifice and service, an authority that was not self-serving, not egotistical, not loud and uh, unrealistic demands and abusive, but an authority that was intent on the welfare of others, an authority that was grounded in humility and expressed in service and sacrifice. An authority that was not intended to control and limit. Often the teaching of the Pharisees and the, teaching, the teachers of the law was to keep people compliant, to keep people in their place, to hold people. But Jesus' authority is to empower and release us, to send us, to grow us, not to limit us and hold us. The authority that he expressed as he laid his life down. The authority that overcame everything. Evil and the empire. Overcame everything. As he remodeled, as he redefined what authority looks like. What power looks like. What leadership looks like. And I don't know about you, but as I study the book of Mark, I find myself saying... Wow. Wow. Wow at who Jesus is. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.